Hey there, my name is Peyton Macy's and you're listening to AnyCast. AnyCast is about anything and everything. We have some cool guests on sometimes, or sometimes it's just me. But enjoy today's episode and I hope you learn something new. Welcome on back, everybody, to AnyCast. Uh, it's been a very long time since I've had anybody on the podcast. And today we are with Chris here, and we're going to talk about the 14th anniversary of The Dark Knight. And we're going to break down this uh, cinematic masterpiece. It is the greatest Marvel, sorry, <laughs> superhero movie. Marvel? Of all- Excuse me, McSqueeze me. Marvel wish they could make this. Sorry, Chief. Have you seen Marvel's past few films? Marvel wishes, bro. Marvel wishes, dog. Yeah, their past two films uh, were not good. Uh, but yeah, it's it's definitely not Marvel. No, it's better than any Marvel movie. Um, they wish, yeah. But how are you doing? It's DC. It's, it's good. I've been good. I've been... Yeah, I just got back from work, so a bit tired, but we we plug in along. You still have the Youth X band on your wrist. I do. I've had it for a while. The you notice the, the Youth X is no longer there. Uh, yeah. The paint rubbed off, but I like the reflective band. I think it's kind of cool, man. We'll save it on there for a little bit. Yeah. Well. So yeah. Yeah. Um, before we get anything started, I have this sitting in the corner um so you know okay that's awesome no but seriously is that, is that all you wanted to share with that is that what you were going for really yeah i just saw city right here he's looking at me so that's sick that's uh, sick. never put him on camera you've got so. you've got two different audiences yeah there's Bro. more there's just pop funkos sitting here so yeah um all right well, um, you said you wanted to start off by talking about Heath Ledger, um, who is, yeah. you know, the best Joker. Yeah, obviously. No debate on that. I have respect for Joaquin Phoenix and what he did with the Joker film. I, especially, I love the message of mental health and what that all represented and bringing the conversation to that. Um, but Joaquin even addressed himself in many interviews that he was never going to surpass Heath, like Heath Ledger or he, he was trying to do his own thing and stay in his own lane, which I think is smart. Um, and I think ultimately led him to great success in that role. And I think if you look at any of the jokers that have been done in the past that are popular, um, why am I blanking on the actor's name? What's the Luke Skywalker's actors, actor, sorry. Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill, he's animated Joker. Um, is it, what's, and then what was the first movie? What was the actor for that? They did a first, like the first uh, live action Batman movie. 
Caesar something. I have his Lego figure over there, but yeah, they had yeah. Caesar. No, 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 not the not the TV oh, no. show. The uh, like. Okay. Have yeah. you seen that Batman movie? Yeah, I'm trying to remember. The one I'm uh, talking about. It's the dude from The Shining. That's all I know. He's also the man who yeah. knows. Don't tell me or something about the truth. You can't handle the truth. Uh, Jack Nicholson, I think. Yeah, yeah, Nicholson, that's who it is. So, like, if you look at their characters, they all play a very different Joker, especially Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill can ham it up with his voice. His vocal performance really sells the role as the Joker. Um, he just has this volume and, like, level of complexity to his pitch and his toning with the Joker. And his laugh is so iconic. And I think Joker... A big part of it is his laugh, and um, I think most of the notorious ones, as we've seen, have that iconic laugh. They're not always the same, but I think a laugh is a big factor in it, and of course, many other elements, but that laugh is probably one of the most unsettling things about the Joker, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, so I wanted to talk about Heath and his accomplishments, and I think... Heath is just such a funny actor to pick for the role. I just, I wouldn't have picked him. He just does not seem like the type of guy to pick the role. If you look at many of his other films before, which I have out of love for The Dark Knight, I watched many of his other films. He just plays this bubbly, lighthearted guy. Um, he's in 10 Things I Hate About You. And he's like, he's not a main character in that one, but he's like, he's not like the main character, but he's the primary love interest. So he has a pretty big role in the movie. Um, and most of the films he's taken, uh, he has either a primary role or he has um, a, a relatively important role in the story. And in that one, he's just this goofy, genuine kid. And you can tell it's not really much of him acting in that. Um, I watched the doc on Heath, which if you have not watched, it's very good. Um, and just like seeing him even like, in his normal habit, he just seems like one of the most inhabitable, inhabitable people. He just seems so filled with charisma and just like, just seems like a genuinely good dude that you just want to have a beer with or a conversation with, or just like sit down and just like have a good chat. Um, but one thing I think that really led to his decision in the role was his devotion to character and devotion to roles. Um, you can very clearly see, um, in the doc that he films himself anywhere he goes. So this is, and this, keep in mind, this movie was made in 2018. So before that he was just taking around a small camcorder with him and just like recording himself in the scenes and stuff, almost like vlogging, vlogging before YouTube and that type of stuff. Um, but just like documenting his life in that way, he'd review footage and he'd go through stuff. And um, he, he mostly looked at his angle, camera angle in the face. And I think that's, that's what leads to a lot of his performance. Um, he focuses on like how like di different distances and different angles like can contort and twist the face. Um, and he's, he's really a master of just really taking advantage of that and playing strengths into that which I think ultimately led to his role as the Joker. Cause in my book, I, I would have chose something, someone way different. What's the actor from Green Goblin? A lot oh, yeah, of people William love Fo. him. 
William Defoe, like yeah. he's like he'd be like a perfect Joker. I like I'm not sure I'd want to see him as a Joker, but like in terms of the actors, like I could think of him yeah. as a Joker or like someone more haunting. I don't know. Just you, you see his personality, Heath, and you're like, this is just not someone I think as. But uh, a lot of the lead up to it was, believe it or not, he locked himself in a room for literally two weeks. Uh, after taking the role trying to develop the character and I'm not even joking he literally like closed door like hotel room with like get room service that type of stuff and just with a camera he just looked at the footage and like um, try to contort himself and make himself as terrifying as he possibly could and started developing Joker's like sporadic speaking patterns and like how manic yet calm he is in most conversations and just like his laugh and everything iconic about he's persona but one thing that's developed later that's super cool that i want to talk about remind me that his lips there's something i want to talk about because it's a cool behind the set thing uh but yeah i just think his dedication already was shown and um obviously that's not good for your mental health but when playing a character as mentally sick as the joker you kind of have to get in that head state to develop um that form of like insanity in a role um so i think that's really interesting in terms of um method acting so and if you if viewers don't know what method acting is do you know what it is yeah yeah it's where you so go ahead it's where you're, um, you've given the, you're given the role, and you just stay in that role, um, on set, off set, wherever. Um, I think Johnny Depp does this a lot. That's why yeah. you know, like, he's great in most of his roles that I've seen. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah. Depp is famous for it. He is obviously famous for it. And another person famous for it, believe it or not, is also in this movie. Can you guess who it is? Mm, Christian Bale. There you are. He, uh, especially with like many of his other roles, like um, American Psycho and stuff like that, he is notorious for being a nightmare to work on with set in terms of like his method acting. Um, but I mean, the man's results speak for themselves. I mean, I've heard he's not the greatest guy in terms of like personality. I, I hear a lot of like internal disputes, like with like he'll yell at like interns and that type of stuff and like really lose his top on stuff. But his results in terms of moving, if you've not seen American Psycho, it is one of the most haunting, terrifying movies I think I've ever seen. And I could imagine seeing it as a woman because it's like he's the serial killer that kills women and just how terrifying and how unsettling he plays on the role is just so uncomfortable and how unnaturally he speaks. It's just so interesting and so. It's like it, it's one of the hardest things to tear your eyes away from, but like it's so hard to watch at the same exact time. Um, so b there's a lot of method acting on this set. Um, so I think it's interesting to look into that. And I think method is it does get results, but it's a pain in the butt to deal with, and it doesn't always turn out. I know there's other actors that have tried it and it hasn't turned out as well. Um, for example, who's one of the most unpopular jokers? Oh my gosh, what's his name? Oh, geez. The guy from <laughs> Suicide Leto. Squad. Jared Leto. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's like a bunch of stories of him on set, like sending dead rats to people and like a bunch of weird stuff where it's like, 
I don't know. He just didn't. I don't think Jared Leto is a plastic person. I don't think he understands people. He's like, oh, crazy person. He does low XD random stuff. Send dead rat to people. Act, get tattoos. Act scary. <laughs> smile. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So Jared Leto obviously is not popular for his role and his method of acting did not pull off. Um, which I think is funny to see that contrast of character where you have someone like Heath, where his role is possibly one of the most like, in terms of like a villain role, besides maybe Darth Vader, I don't think there's a more iconic role in terms of pop culture villains. I think his stands alone in that performance and ultimately he's paid for it. Um, again, he stayed in costume the entire time on set, did not shower, had his Oof. makeup retouched every day, but he stayed in makeup. That's yeah. why his hair is so greasy. Do you see how greasy his hair is in the movie? Um, just like just acted exactly like the Joker would act in person. Um, mm-hmm. But like legitimately, he scared people. So the actor for um, Alfred, oh gosh, he's in the Michael Kane. Michael Caine, yeah. uh, his only and first ever scene, like first time seeing Heath like that uh, is the dinner scene where Joker walks in like, ladies and gentlemen, he's not mm-hmm. like, he doesn't play a major role in it, but you can see he's right tucked near the elevator holding a like platter of like champagne and just due to how he walks in, like, I imagine they, I, I, I'm, I'm inferring here, but I imagine they didn't know when the elevator was going to come up just to add shock to it and like to add shock to the shotgun and everything in the party to get more realistic results. But you can see the terror in Michael, Michael Caine's face. Like he was je- like talking like in interviews, he was genuinely terrified of Heath and just how he controlled that room and his prominence in that room. Um, I, I think it's really interesting. So uh, again, the the problem with Heath in this role and the sad part we have to talk about with this is ultimately a lot of people believe it leads to, leads to his death. He died in a motorcycle crash. Um, but in the coming months after the film, he did, he worked on one other film project, but um, a relatively minor role in it. Um, but he worked on that last project and Apparently, he started distancing himself from people, which Heath in the documentary is often known for keeping people in his house. And like he always had people staying with him and that type of stuff. He'd invite random people off the street into his house to come live with him. Just a genuine like dude that enjoyed people. So he started pushing people away. And we don't know exactly um, if he caused the crash himself purposely or whatever, but could be a suicide attempt, could be just an accident at the wheel. Um, but rest in peace to him, obviously. Um, his role will live on forever. But it, it, it's it's sad to see the length he went to for the role, which is worth it in a certain way, because again, he will be remembered forever for that role. But still, it's at what detriment almost. It, it, I, I, it's just so sad because it's like, it's almost fitting for a quote in the movie. It's like you live long, either live long enough, like to see your, like you either live long enough to see, wait, how does the quote go? You live long enough to see yourself become the hero. No, you either live long enough to see yourself the villain or you die the hero. So it's just like, 
it feels like there was a lot of missed potential and like a lot of the films he'd done before. I mean, he'd been in a few, I'd say around 10 movies. I mean, he'd, he'd done some great work, but none of the movies were like a crazy smash hit. Like the biggest one being 10 Things I Hate About You, but that was just a rom-com. It's relative obscurity. Um, so this was his really first big break and I could see him being the next Johnny Depp or the next, even how I think he could even one up eventually if he got to that status he could one up um i was trying to give myself time to think of the name help me um leonardo dicaprio that's who i'm thinking oh i i think he could get to that level because just his dedication to role i think is really really quite astounding um (coughs) yeah do we want to talk about the film now i think i've got enough yeah um do you want to start at the beginning with the beginning scene or do you want to talk of about course we have to start with the beginning scene what do you mean i think right. it's one of the most icon okay i still think baby driver has one of the best opening scenes in any cinematic history like of all time if you have not watched it go watch it it's very good the music the soundtrack hold on a sec Ooh. where is it where is it where is it wait i where did it go Excuse me. Oh, there it is. There it is. It is so good that I own the whole soundtrack on vinyl. Well, wow. So uh, go watch it. But the entire first opening scene is a car chase theme to music, uh, specifically the song Bell Bottoms. So I think that's one of the coolest scenes. But Dark Knight definitely is up there in terms of grabbing interest in the first scenes of the movie. Um, you have this panel in like almost drone shot from like onto this building and then you just see a window burst and then there's two mass figures and chaos begins to ensue from there. So I think the importance of the first bank robbery scene and what you can see production wise is this, I think the music is a key to this scene and the opening scene to this. It's this, there's a lot of loud thuds in terms of bass and you have this almost orchestra playing in the back, but it's almost jazz like in its performance where it's kind of chaotic. If you don't know jazz um, really well, it's most original jazz or like classic jazz is improvised on the spot in terms of musicians. That's why it's impressive to go see jazz musicians go play together because most of the stuff is done off the cuff and it's them playing off each other. And it makes the performances like one of a kind and very special. So the rhythm section and like the entire orchestra there, it, it's, it's interesting how it's got that jazz type feel, like that unpredictable type feel to it, um, where you don't know what's really gonna happen next. Um, and yeah, so it, it's just that it, it invokes a mood and it invokes a feeling in the viewer. Um, and then if you notice, there's a lot of quick panel cuts. There's, there's, it's quick cuts to different scenes in the chaos of this bank robbery. Um, again, I think the thuds give a rhythm almost to the entire scene and like this underlining of an understanding of what you're supposed to do. Um, but the chaos ultimately dictates that there is no plan, so to speak. Um, Cause as we will learn later, the Joker is a man without a plan. He just is a dog chasing cars. Um, so 
I just think it, it, it's really, it's a very simple scene. And I think it shows the character of the Joker so well. And I don't think it, it took me the longest, like it took me a few watch throughs to get the whole, um, the mob guy who comes out with a shotgun and starts blasting and why he doesn't put a real grenade in his mouth. That took mm. me a while to get like, why didn't he kill him? But I realized the cruelty and almost why he kept it in his mouth in the first place because the mob's going to kill him either way because they just got away with a bank robbery. So the smoke grenade, if you see his face, he it's almost a look of terror where he's like, oh, shoot, this isn't going to kill me. So yeah. he left him alive for the mob to deal with and shows almost this unforgiving, chaotic, cruel nature of the Joker. Um, and just his, his smartness in his heist. Uh, having the hostages hold grenades, holding the, like the pin, not the pin. Um, what is that part called? There's the pin and then there's something else that you remove. The pin. That's all I know. This is the pin. I know, but there's another part that pops off and that ultimately like starts the timer. The pin is just the safety for that part. I know that. Oh, you mean like the trigger thing? If you, yeah, let but go. it pops off. Yeah, it pops off. Um, so having the hostages hold on to that for dear life is such a smart like verdict of doing and having each member knock each other off essentially i'm going to use pg terms game end each other um, <laughs> um just shows the the greed almost and the 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 general chaos of the situation but like the smartness in not having to share that share with that person um and then the big reveal, the Joker, of course, you knew he was going to pull off that mask. You were just wondering which one it was because um, you knew going into the film that was a film about the Joker. Um, so I think it shows, and we were talking about this earlier, how on the chart, there's this chart of like good and evil, and it's like a nine by nine. So you have your neutral going down the middle column. You have your good going down the left column, and then your bad going down the right column. Um, and then there's very degrees going this direction. You have your, um, sorry, you have your lawful um, going down this column, and then you also have your um, neutral going down this column, and then you have your, um, sorry, what am I saying? so they double up essentially um but yeah so joker is down here in this corner up here uh down here <laughs> i can't speak right now <laughs> this corner down here uh called chaotic evil and he's like this full-on embodiment of almost chaos and what chaos can produce and i think a lot of what the joker's character is in this movie is more of an idea of chaos and more of an idea, like an embodiment of it, like an unrealistic, like representation of what that is, almost like a cartoon character where it's like, or a trope, like played off in like, played off in TV shows or played off in any sort of thing where you have like a very tropey character. Like let's, let's, let's jump to like a rom-com or like, let's jump to like, you'll, or like a horror movie, you'll have the one person that dies like you'll have a friend group. You have the one person that dies. You have the one smart person that gets like killed off near the end. Like you, you have those certain tropes that people fall into or like 
just any sort of thing like that. So the Joker feels like almost this trope or this embodiment of like pure chaos and what that is. Um, so I think that's what the scene is meant to dictate. And they're just like, you can't guess what's going to happen next in this, like in this bank robbery, like the big shock, obviously being like people getting knocked off. And then a big like crescendo of shock being the bus crashing through the building and like being like this big unexpected moment. Um, so yeah, I think that shows his character and his role in this story, so to speak. Uh, but then the very next scene, you start seeing cuts to the city and the surrounding city. And specifically, Jim Gordon turns on the uh, bat signal. Bat signal. Sorry. <laughs> I'm tired after work. Uh, yeah, yeah. But he turns on the bat signal and just showing the criminals and the fear that's been put in their hearts due to Batman and this almost embodiment of law that Batman is. He's the uh, lawful good up in this corner. So they're in opposing corners um, of this nine by nine grid. Of course, there's other squares right here, but yeah. they're in opposing corners of themselves. Um, the unstoppable object and the immovable, like, sorry, the unstoppable object and the, in, sorry, the unstoppable force and the un, immovable object. Um, so they're direct opposites of each other but almost this level of like characterized because Batman is obviously unrealistic in his rules and everything like that. How does a man that lost so much of his life and everything like that stay this mentally sane and stay this okay with everything surrounding him? And how does he not go on out on these fits of rage and just keeps a level head about everything and ultimately sticks to his guns and, does not break his one rule, um, so to speak, which is, of course, not killing people. Yeah. Um, so I, I think they're, they're these almost like, due to them being characters, they're almost both insane in their own way, where Joker is obviously crazy, but to the level that Batman has control over his life, it's almost insanity. Um, so it's meant to paint this stark contrast between the two characters right away. Um, what's the next scene? Oh, and then even showing more dominance over, um, we have the mob meeting in broad daylight or Falcone crime family yeah. um, meeting in broad daylight. They're that afraid of the Batman. Their funds are being taken. They're kind of down on their knee. They're in court um, trying to make assassinations on public officials um, any sort of thing like that, really showing how Batman has really enforced law on the order and nearly, with the help of Dent, nearly almost getting full clean streets. And Dent is very important in this matter um, due to the fact that we start seeing the potential of Dent and his character. Because ultimately, you can tell in this fight with the Scarecrow at the, um, with Batman, uh, right as soon as we get those city shots, which notice in filmography are a lot more scope driven and a lot more lingering in terms of the Joker's to contrast the Joker's shots where they have movement in them almost. And they, they don't last, they last a lot longer and they have like almost this well thought out or lawful appearance almost. Um, but it's even shown in the fight with the scarecrow 
how tired the Batman is and how a, like we, we think of the Batman and we think of him like just easily toppling over foes and like punching people like the Batman, like the start from the Batman movie, like the new Batman that just mm-hmm. came out, like just beating the absolute poop out of people, like standard yeah. people and not even standing a chance. He gets pretty beat up in that fight. If you look, he gets bit by a big dog, gets rammed into that side of the building and obviously has to jump off the top, crushing the vehicle. Um, I think it just shows his tired physique and tiredness of being the Batman. And he feels like his work is almost done. And this is where we start seeing the potential of Dent due to Rachel's <laughs> interest in him. Um, uh, and just how he can be this figure with a face and be this public official. Because ultimately, if you want to change anything in like your controlling system around you and control corruption and any sort of thing like that, obviously you're gonna have to change it to a government level. Otherwise you're gonna have more corruption come around and lead to more and more problems. You have to fix it at a, at a government level. So Batman takes interest out of them as you see in the scene where he's Bruce with the ballerina, I believe. Yeah. And they're at a double date at the restaurant that Bruce owns um and you really see his like this spark of like he could really take my position and that's why i think he ultimately offers the charity because he wants to set him up and support him as much as he can um the charity ball that's what i meant sorry not charity um to help reinforce his campaign and keep him running um and keep him in his position um so then we start getting around to the Joker killings and everything surrounding that. Um, and again, I think it's meant to show how creative and inventive the Joker is in terms of his ways of killing and truly how you can't guess his next step. Um, I think an interesting contrast in terms of villains is like him and the Riddler because the Riddler is very well planned out but a lot of his he thinks he's so smart so he'll directly give information um based on how he's going to do stuff uh but he's just too smart to and has too good of a plan to essentially be overtaken by the police only batman can take him down um opposed to the joker where he can tell you exactly what he's going to do but still drop the thing on your head and entirely catch you by surprise in terms of how he's going to do said thing. We didn't expect the Joker to poise, get, gain our access to, to the commission. Yeah, because Gordon was just, he wasn't even Commissioner Gordon yet. He gained no. access to the yeah. commissioner's office and um, poisoned the commissioner. And then to kill, like to get those two cops and have them rig an explosive in her car and just like the level of inventiveness <laughs> in his killing and the level of flair and chaos in it almost and just like um and i think the party scene is just the perfect persona of the joker because there was a moment where heath is talking to the director in terms of how he should be in the party scene and as we know the joker is this overbearing nihilist uh, sorry sociopath that only thinks about himself in the matter 
Um, he only keeps Batman alive for his own self-entertainment. and Nothing really matters to him. Um, that's why he's so hard to put a pin on. And that's why he's so hard to control. Um, so he just treats these people like they're nothing. And just like the way he walks in and his presence in that room, like he is the, like the ultimate reason for this while everyone's gawking on. I just love where he picks up the champagne glass. Most of it's gone. He like drinks a little bit of it and looks at it and just sets it down. Just like yeah. to take it straight out of anyone's hands and then like smacking people like, do you know where Harvey is? Do you know where he is? Mm-hmm. And then like, to, like, and then I think the moment with the grandfather almost standing up to him is this like, I think ultimately, like I said, I meant, I think he's meant to be this character and he's not really meant to be human in that type of way where he's like not meant to be a relatable character, neither Batman. Um, so they take it to this extreme, but to give him a little bit of that human element, um, having that sore spot clearly be brought up, be brought up about his father, um, and talking because before he was talking about how he got the scars and talking about his father gave him the scars. Mm-hmm. Um, so talking about that sore spot there, um, and nearly cuts up the guy until Rachel cuts in. And then again, proceeding to tell a different story ultimately shows how little we know about him. And I think that's why we're interested in him. And I think it's beautiful for this idea of someone mentally insane. Why I found interest in serial killers and all that type of stuff is the big question of why do they do it? Why do they do the things that they do? What leads them down this path? Is it a dark childhood? Is it mental illness? Is it any sort of thing? And it's really just a big gray area. It's depending. Some of them can be fully mentally healthy to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, not have like bipolar or any sort of thing like that, bipolar depression or anything or anything like that, but due to childhood lead down this path. It, it, there's really no easy answer to it. And the more you go down that rabbit hole, the more questions get asked rather than answers given, so to speak. Um, so having there be multiple different reasonings for giving, like for his scars, um, I think is a really interesting take. Cause obviously what he tells to Rachel is he talks about his ex-wife and how uh, she got in deep with the mob and owed a bunch of money. So they carved her face. And showing he didn't care about the scars, he gave scars to himself, showing that he's smiling and he doesn't yeah. care and he's he loves her and just showing like the beauty and like he nearly tells it if you didn't notice, he nearly tells an entirely different story to Batman as he's gonna give it to him. Uh scars to him. I just think it adds to the complexity of the character and why he's such an interesting character in the first place, because he's not meant to be understood and he's not meant to be this realistic character in that fact and our, our lack of understanding. Cause if you look at like stuff we like, we like why star Wars and stuff has been so drawn out is we like understanding of the world and we like understanding of everything surrounding the characters. And we like to see different conflicts and see every different side of a person. Like we, it's with human interaction too. We want to get to know the people we're around and that's why we have conversation and that's why we bring up certain things or any sort of thing like that. We don't like the unknown yet it, because it's unknown it interests us and want us to drive further. 
Um, so I, ju I just see so much beauty in that scene. And it's, it's honestly one of the Heath Ledger's best scenes. I think that scene and then the interrogation scene later are his two best scenes, in my opinion. I think just the way he captivates the room. Um, the third best, I do have to give it to the hospital room because the hospital room scene is really good. But yeah. uh, just the way he has control in that room is just haunting almost. Just how little he cares. Um, and just how, because of his lack of empathy or caring, just how powerful he feels because of it. Because it's very obvious the Joker is not, he, he states himself, I do you think I'd really face the entire fate of the city in a fist fight with you? He's not a yeah. strong guy. His power is up here mentally. Um, he, he clearly like, like he, he throws his, if you look in the scene, he throws his like his men at him and like tries to get cheap yeah. shots on him with a knife shoe. He's not a, like imposing villain, but just shows how terrifying he can be while not being a Bane, for example, or being Killer Croc or some ginormous guy, like powerful villain or like a powerful villain, like Doctor Strange. It's like, he's just a simple man. He has no superpowers. And I think that's the interest really to the two characters. And I think that's why a lot of people find Batman interesting too, because he doesn't have powers and yet he's equates to the level of superheroes and he's in the Justice League and he's um, took down some very bad foes. Of course, some not as bad as like many other villains. Um, and he doesn't typically deal with superpowers. Occasionally he does, but yeah. I think that's the interest of Batman and I think that's the interest of the Joker, how this one man can convey such an audience and be such a powerful opposing force due to a lack of ability or lack of powers, so to speak. So, yeah. Yeah. And Do you have a scene you want inquiry in or you want to add a note? Uh, there's a minute and 30 seconds left on the timer. Oh, there is? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. She's Louise. Okay. Um, then do you want to talk about the, you want to close on the, like the interrogation scene? Yeah, sure. Um, I think that scene is super cool because first, uh, you already know Batman is behind the Joker in the darkness. You can like already get that feeling, but you see just like commissioner Gordon walk off and then it's like slams his head into the table. So, and then like the entire interaction, and apparently one of those hits was actually real and not a stunt. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just, it, it's really show, meant to show like the clashing of the two forces and show like their duality yet opposing natures at the same exact time, the insanity of both of them. And there's a lot more similarities than you think there is. Um, and if you really look at their characters and I think if you notice at the end of the movie, uh, near the end of the movie, where the Joker gets dropped off the building, he's laughing as he goes down, and you hear him groaning as he goes up, because he thought he actually got the Batman to break his one rule. Um, so that like driving force again, the unstoppable force, the unstoppable force meets the un immovable object. I think is interesting, an interesting take. I wish we could talk about Harvey. I wish we had time. All right, so now we're back, and we can talk about Harvey now. Okay, yeah, sorry. We started a new session, viewers. Um, yeah, so I think Harvey is really 
it, it's a long film and i think playing out the joker the entire film i almost like how short he was in the film i i, I like like the limited amount of scenes from him because it makes me want more from like again it, more the less you know like the better almost with that type of stuff where it's like you'd rather have like a few short performances that like really captivated, like, or like some of like some of cinema's best scenes rather than having like a ton of like good ones. And then there's like some mediocre ones in there that yeah. kind of be up the rule. It's like, I feel like there's just like, I don't know. I don't feel like there's anything that really needs to be added or taken away from the film. So adding that second villain is, is interesting in terms of concept. It, it, it's just like, I mean, they've done it with, both the other films in the trilogy right too because Catwoman was kind of mixed though it was like debatable whether she was a villain or not though so it was like that was kind of interesting and then they did have the dynamic of yeah I guess there was like there's one main villain and then like one kind of muddy kind of villain because the first one you had the I don't think he's the standard comic villain he's like he's the trainer of Batman yeah he blew up his mansion I think I've not seen Rachel Ghoul. No, he is a no, he is a comic book villain. Okay. Um he blows up the mansion. He's kind of like this muddy figure, um, because he's obviously trains Batman. I forget what makes him hate him. I literally have not seen Batman begins and probably I only watched that once, dude, and it was I was losing interest pretty fast. It was pretty shisty. I don't know. Scarecrow, of course, being the true villain. And then they did Bane as the true villain in the third one. And then Catwoman being that kind of muddy figure. And so yeah. Harvey takes that muddy figure in this one. Um, but I, I think, again, back on that Joker, like shortness, I, I thought of a good point, like, or a good suggestion. Have you ever played Far Cry 3? No. Okay. But you forgot. Yeah, you're not. This. Yeah. So Voss's performance in that is a, a lot of people who like the Joker, who like that type of archetype of a character. Voss's performance is very interesting, which I would encourage you to watch the videos of like his performance because he's very he's very he's only in a few cutscenes, but like because all the cutscenes with him are just so like I just love that he's almost not the main villain of like the entire thing. He's just like this side villain, and he works like his boss is the bigger villain. So it's like I don't know. He's just so convincing and he's he's got that same type energy of the joker where it just leaves you wanting more and you're like i just want more of that performance um but yeah check out voss's performance they're really good so but harvey takes this muddy figure of he starts off the movie as this as as quoted later in the movie the best of us um Mm -hmm. or the best of what gotham had to offer um and was experiencing a lot of the heat of um, the mob and this pressure of dealing with them, breathing down his back and trying to essentially imprison all the lower down guys. Cause of course a lot of Falcone and a lot of his like top dogs, anyone sitting at that table is going to make bail. Mm-hmm. Um, but they would have no one working under them because they essentially have enough info from the Jap, no, we was he yeah. Japanese? I think in Hong Kong, Hong Kong. So that's Chinese. The yeah. Chinese account, yeah, Hong Kong, yeah. Because China, China, it, it wasn't at the time, but now it's part of China. Hong Kong was separate, but yeah. Um, 
so you have the, the accountant or whatever he does. I don't think the movie ever really clears it. Um, he clearly works with other criminals because he said all of my other clients have been busted. Um, so I had to move your money to one secure deposit. Um, um, and yeah, I just, I think that's, what was I saying? Oh, sorry. And they take down, uh, they have Lau and essentially it leads them to getting a Rico case where they can take down all those villains. So Harvey plays this detrimental role as this hero. And he even he gives his life and takes essentially Bruce as his spot um, and claims himself to be the Batman and expects Batman to save him, yeah. um, which is a very bold move. As you can see, mm-hmm. Joker was pretty ruth- ruthless. Ruthless. Help me. Ruthless. <laughs> yeah. And his attempts to uh, commandeer or obtain the Batman from the vehicle, even using a rocket launcher, launch from a moving vehicle. Yeah. Um, so I think he just plays this critical role, but as soon as he's kidnapped by the Joker and uh, Rachel dies instead of him and half of his face is burned, uh, we start seeing the two-faced Harvey Dent almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the beauty of the scene with um, the Joker in the hospital room um, is almost this admission to this pure neutral. So I've talked about this graph again, but this admission to pure neutral, whereas he was more on Batman's side of things and more so overlapped with Batman. Um, but like, as Joker says, all insanity takes is just a, one little push jokingly. Um, it's, it's like gravity, as he says. Um, so he pushes him down this route to true neutral almost where it, it's not necessarily good or bad what he's doing. He's, it, it's almost like this anti-hero persona um, of he's trying to obtain justice for um, Rachel and uh, he's doing by means of chance, essentially his coin got burned in the fire. So if you didn't know the coin was obviously two heads, so he'd use it as this, he'd say he'd make his own luck essentially and would flip it multiple times in the movie. Um, and it obviously always land on heads cause it was a double headed coin. Um, so one side gets burned and the other side remains pure. So similar to two face, um, and really pursue like persuades this, like, it creates this narrative of like pure neutral and like that scene in a hospital room where it's not necessarily forgiveness, but the decision not to shoot the Joker is just such an interesting scene and just so captivating and how Heath plays it off. It's just incredible. And just like how he's like holding like the gun up against his head and like licking his lips, which let's talk about yeah quick 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 side i i, I go off on tangents excuse me <laughs> um you notice uh you might think this is part of like his persona or his like like frantic like character where he like spazzes like 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 he does where you see like he where he sends the dogs on him and then like jokes and like starts kicking him and like yeah mm. like that almost frantic like like almost what is it like I'm trying to think like almost Tourette's yeah like yeah, yeah. like just like spasms almost 
Um, but he has this like frantic, like lick, licking of the lips. Like sometimes you'll see him like adjust with his lips and he'll like do it in conversation. And it's almost just like unsettling. It's almost like it's giving him pleasure. But what it is, is the lips are prosthetic. So it's, it's like, and yeah. the enamel tend to, due to filming is like, it falls off. So it's him adjusting the enamel on like the, the adhesive, not the enamel. I've been thinking of teeth. Sorry, the adhesive on his like um, lips to like keep him up, but it just adds to the frantic nature, and it's almost like this unintentional, like beautiful, like little, just extra, like little salt on top, just like to wrap up his character um, as this insane, absolutely crazy person who does not care about anything or riches or value, like Michael Caine says, and just is this manic raving lunatic that will burn millions and millions and mil that was possibly a billion dollars on that i think they did yeah. i think i watched a video on the calculations on how much money that was someone did like a whole count on how much money that was i forget it but it's a stupid amount of money um but he burns the entire thing but anyways back to back to the pre, pre regularly scheduled programming of uh back to harvey dent um so I think what uh, what makes him interesting is following this route down um, this trail to who led ultimately to Rachel's death and leading to all the figures involved. Obviously, the Joker being the one um, who had this entire thing laid out. I'm not going to say plan because, again, he's not a man yeah. with a plan. He improvises and just follows his own psychotic notions so um he, he questions him first and then we see him go after falcone am i right i, I think so yeah no 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 he goes after the manic guy that um supposedly shoots um no that was first because jim gordon dies yeah. um at at the scene so then he you see this questioning of this manic guy and you start to see i think it's like you haven't seen breaking bad but like there's this debate in the show where walter white has this persona when he sells yeah, yeah. illegal illegal substance illegal. <laughs> <laughs> uh as the boys call it crystal anyways when he sells it he has this persona or like this 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 name because he's not the one selling it he's only manufacturing it but we see him as he gets deeper and like the worst and worst things he has to do to preserve this business and keep his money flowing in we see this transformation as we call it, to his character heisenberg so i think this moment is like that initial let-in to the idea that harvey could be corrupted in that way it's mm -hmm. that like precursory sign to saying he could fall down this path to which he eventually falls into this balance between lawful and chaotic um nature and it, it's it's just it, it's such a beautiful scene where it's just it's showing the potential of that and then of course he questions the joker then it's on to it's one of the guys that it's either falcone or it's one of the guys responsible for picking rachel up because he's at a bar in one scene i remember yeah. that 
because they were talking about like that's when the city closes down. <laughs> um, so showing like what am I saying? What am I trying to say? Like showing how he goes through all these different people and then getting to the officer who was like ultimately involved in putting Rachel in that car and like leaving him with those people. Um, supposedly killing Falcon. We think we, he kills Falcon because he shoots the driver, right? Um, and just like this descent to leading to his face off with Jim Gordon. And again, like I said, he's this balance between lawful and chaotic. The only rule he lives by is fate or AKA the coin. And the coin is just pure chaos because it's a 50-50 chance, which ironically is the same chance that Rachel has, which is just so poetic and just shows how much that death weighs on him um, and how much that leads to his character. Um, So we see this face off with him and Gordon and how he gets his family there. And essentially in this manic chaotic ruse, like re- reasoning of his blames Gordon for the majority of this for keeping, because ultimately y- you, you hear him talk about the bothersome of Gordon having dirty men in the CIA, like in his <laughs> unit and operation and Gordon ultimately chalks it up to, I have to deal with what I have. And yeah. that's ultimately true. And I believe Gordon in that where, he has to have some dirty cops because there's not enough good cops in the first place or otherwise there'd be, there wouldn't be enough police to enforce the city. Um, so he goes, he, he takes this whole reasoning for these other two police, like getting Rachel to the scene. He's already justified the Joker as this form of true chaos, this wild dog, so to speak, that does not know what he wants. Um, and he just ultimately ends up blaming Jim Gordon and wants to take the one that he loves the most Um, and playing out this scene exactly the way similar to Rachel where finding obviously the one nearest to him and then having to lie to him and giving him a 50-50 chance is just so poetic in a way and just such a fitting end to the movie Um, and Obviously, if Harvey was to be found out about everything that happened, um, obviously his reputation would go into pooper and everything he worked for would be lost. Um, So that what leads to the movie, which I'll talk about and be the conclusion point of the movie, um, which is essentially, the whole movie is this, it's essentially a social narrative on the line society walks between lawfulness and chaos and how there's almost this balance in between. And it's, we as countries or as uh, communities or any sort of thing, we have to find this balance between the two opposing forces. Um, And so that's why we see the Batman take the fall that he does because to balance out the force for good and just, Ultimately, Batman becoming not the hero that Gotham needs right now, but the hero Gotham deserves, so to speak. Yeah. Being the entire poetic beauty of the entire film, in my opinion. So, yeah, yeah, that's that's my that's my filmmaker synopsis and character 
writing everything synopsis and why Marvel will never make any film better. Marvel? I don't hate Marvel. I don't hate Marvel. Don't like look, take this as I hate Marvel, but... Look, uh, look Marvel has had a really rough year. and <laughs> Really you know, rough. That's an understatement, dude. Yeah. That is an understatement. <laughs> no, because they did make one good show, which was um, Moon Knight, in my opinion. Everything else has been a miss. Um, and... You know they still got. Did you see time. Black Widow? Did you see the special effects in that? That were that was that was dreadful. That was that was that was last year, I think. Last year they actually okay. Last year, to be fair, Marvel. Did I guarantee a great you, job. Last year, what did they do last year? Oh man, they made like five or six movies and like five TV shows on Disney Plus. But one is too much, too much, man. That's what I gotta <laughs> ask. One is too much, too much. I get. Oh, the, 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 again, I, I can relate this back to the Dark Knight, the Leonardo DiCaprio meme. He said it, he said it, he said it, you know, the, or the Peter Griffin meme where it's like, they said the title, they did it. Yeah. yeah. Um, where it's like, he says the Dark Knight or like, just like, oh, it's the character. It's the character from that random specific niche comic that everyone yeah. loves and knows. Oh, dude, it's that character. I love that they throw him in Marvel. That's all Marvel is to me now. It's just like, uh, I don't know. They don't have an overarching narrative at this point where there's no Thanos or any sort of thing like that. And to be fair, I wasn't that interested in the initial Marvel movies. The only one I thought was really cool was like Captain America because I just thought that was a whole interesting, again, kind of like, he wasn't anything crazy. He was just imbued with a little bit of extra strength and just a bit unrealistic. More like a Batman figure almost because what Batman can do is kind of unrealistic, realistically mm. speaking from a comic standpoint. So I found that interesting. But I wasn't really interested in Iron Man. I wasn't really interested in Hulk. Or... The th first Thor movie was pretty all right. I don't know. And not until they started introducing like overarching narratives, that's when I got interested. So Yeah, and I think really what happened is everybody i know i had this question like after watching endgame i'm like what are they going to do now yeah it's like, just like there is no plan right now that's the sad thing they're just doing they're doing what they did in the beginning they're building up origin stories we don't even know if everybody's going to be in the avengers like the moon knight show literally has no connection to the marvel yeah. but it's the best thing they made this year in my opinion Disney so, is good at making everything disconnect. Like the best stuff they make is when it's disconnected. I've talked about this with you. Rogue Rogue One is literally one of the best things they've ever produced because they took one one <laughs> extremely niche plot point, just like brushed over in the first movie, like lightly. Not for I, I have to clarify the fourth movie. It's yeah. the first ever movie made, but the fourth movie and just expanded on that, and it's so beautiful. And that's why I love Star Wars Visions. Anything that like is not related to the story, Han was mid. Let's be real. Yeah, I okay. love Childish Gambino, but his whole love relationship with a robot was weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you know, like we, I think Mandalorian is the best thing that Disney Star Wars did. Um, yeah, that's just me speaking, though. I think that's like a. Did you watch story. Visions? Did you like Visions? I didn't like some of the episodes, like the second, I like the first episode, and then I watched the second, I'm like, what is this trash? Like a nine-year-old made episode two. <laughs> what do you mean, bro? The only bad one was the one where it looked like Mega Man. That was the only bad one, in my opinion. Uh, but yeah, it's like, 
Have you watched uh, Love, Death, and Robots? Like yeah. that. It's like it's an artsy show. I don't know, man. It's, and that's it why I think I like it so much, though, too, because I'm a big animation nerd. So I do love seeing some different art styles. Well, they are supposed to be returning with a season two. They don't know when. Star Wars, dude, Disney is so stupid right now. Star <laughs> Wars is going to have three TV shows, I think, running at the same time while She-Hulk is running. It's like, dude, who's going to have the time to watch all these shows? I literally, I didn't even try. As soon as Endgame finished, I, I've not bothered to keeping up. Literally, I've told you, the only thing is I've watched is the Black, Black Widow movie. And I was just like, friends were like, you want to go see this movie? I'm like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's the only thing I've watched. Oh, and Spider-Man Far From Home. The, the not Far From, no. No way. No, no, I haven't the, seen the second one. I've seen the third one yet. No way. Yeah, okay. Because I heard the second one was incredibly mid. So I was like, okay. Dude, the second one is like Marvel went up to Disney Channel and said, make us a movie. We're too busy. And then they had like this lame villain. Well, it's Mysterio. You already, you already know he's a villain. They're not going to put him in this anti-hero role. They're going to do the, I was the villain all along. Yeah, that's what they did. Yeah. They literally do that halfway through. And I'm like, who falls for this? I'm like, also, I like Spider-Man. I think he's good. But like, I didn't know there were so many Spider-Man fans until Spider-Man movies started coming out. They're, dude, it's going to get even crazier because now they're doing the Miles Morales movie. I think it's delayed until next December. And that's... Dude, I mean, Spider-Verse, yeah. Yeah. Dude, and then, I'm so hyped for that. I'm I, so... It, yeah, I mean, I never finished the first one, so... What? I just, yeah. I just I did soy face. You can use that for the thumbnail. <laughs> um, yeah, that is. Um, you need to change that. I have it on DVD if you want it. I'm good. I'll buy it. I'll buy okay. it. Um, you have to finish, it. bro. I could literally mute that movie and still have a good time. I could literally <laughs> just watch the thing on mute. That is such a beautiful movie. How did you not finish it? Uh, I was actually at a school, we were in school, and uh, it was like the end of the year, and so our teacher just put that on, and then class ran out, Uh, so, you know. That was like the only Spider-Man thing I've been a really big fan of, like, I don't know, I'm not a huge Spider-Man fan, I think he's a cool hero, I've been more of like a Batman guy, I like the Flash, I guess more DC, I don't know, I, I... I wasn't too interested in Marvel until the movie started coming out. I've always been more interested in DC because I feel like they have better characters. I don't... Nah, dude. Really? Really? Who the ones is... that hit for DC, they hit. I'm sorry, bud. Nah, who is the Green Lantern and Cyborg? Like, what are Ignore those Ignore that. Hey, hey, hey. That's exactly like a Hulk and... And um, what's a good example? What's another good parallel in Marvel? Well, Captain Marvel... <laughs> Yeah, Captain Marvel. There you are. There you are. Yeah, there you are. There's that's literally like both of them. Yeah. I think Green Lantern's powers are a good idea. There, there's nothing else like that. Yeah. Admit that. Yeah. It's kind of like cool if they kept it like not as serious. It would be like kind of a cool like cutesy power set. I don't know. I don't know. I actually I do take that back. Okay, so there is a plan right now at Marvel, but you just it's so slow. 
it's so slowly coming together it's a secret invasion and then secret wars um so yeah i've heard about the comics of that what is isn't okay, it like so, some alien race like like camouflage into society mm-hmm. and they like literally invade turn their backs i guess the avengers don't know who is who um and that's gonna be set up probably starting next year will really shift into that whenever they make deadpool 3 if what everybody wants happens which is meaning deadpool comes to the avengers then that's just gonna no, sound i wouldn't want that i don't want that a lot of fans I want, want it I, gotta be, I don't want that i want dead i want my, i want, I want <laughs> no i want my what is his name why am i blanking i am blanking on actors ryan reynolds i want my ryan reynolds in his own contained universe i want him in a box all right <laughs> The X-Men franchise means nothing to me, so I'm fine. I, I don't watch any of those movies, so he's in my, his own box for me. I don't want him muddied up in that. I don't. I'm sorry. Just how they've been doing, I don't want them. It's Both of those films are so... Have you seen Deadpool 1 and 2? No. What? <coughs> Bro. Okay. <clears throat> First one's better in terms of story. But the second one is like one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. I'm not even joking. It's such a... It's such a good movie. You have to watch the films, and I think you'd understand why I don't want them coming over. Like, he, he's just... They're just going to make want, him kid-friendly. He just, I don't know. I don't, they're going to make him kid-friendly. I don't want that. And I don't want him to be, like, a side character. He's just such so good as a main character. Uh, that's actually... That's a good point. That yeah, because, like, Ryan expect. Reynolds is literally the perfect, like like actor to play a main character he's like leonardo dicaprio he is perfect to play a main character i don't want him taking a side role in some stuff and i know he's going to and i'm like i don't want that that's gonna suck yeah i don't know maybe who knows what deadpool 3 the the really annoying thing right now with marvel is the sony verse and that is so annoying. I mean, we got Morbius this year, like the worst superhero movie. Apparently, it's worse than Green Lantern. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't see it, but yeah, I heard it was pretty bad. I did see out of the two movie trends, I did go see Minions Riser dressed up in a trench coat. I looked oh. dapper in a Hawaiian dad shirt. It was pretty sick. Do you actually watch Morbius? No, I watched Minions Rise. I said out of the two oh. movie trends that have happened this year, I, I did go see Rise of Gru. What about Top Gun? That's a third one that happened. I said, but like, I mean, meme-wise. Oh, okay. I, I mean, like the memes. That, I did see Top Gun, though. That was good. <laughs> Better than the first one. Hot take. Hot take. Dude, the soundtrack. Soundtrack in the first one really bad like really bad like it's the same 580 songs blared 20 times in a row and i'm like there's no moments of silence it's just everything else is fine but the soundtrack entirely ruins the movie for me like there's no like diversity in music it's just i, I love don't get me wrong i love 80s bops i have a full 80s soundtrack but like 80s music does not cover everything you'll notice in stranger things they use a variety of different music. It's not just 80s yep. tracks. They do use a lot of 80s tracks, but it's not good at conveying certain moods. <laughs> yeah, we got Dustin here. Oh, it's not showing. You can't oh, see him. Oh, oh. <laughs> it's my boy. It's my boy. 
<laughs> there he is. My second favorite. It's my second favorite character. Whoa. No, Dustin is superior. Really? You think Dustin's better than Steve? Yeah, Dustin is better than Steve. It's, I it's... love Steve so much. I don't think... I, I think I relate to Steve on a personal level, though. I'm always the group mom, so I'm like, Steve, oh. that's my man. I thought you were going to go with season one, Steve. I'm like, oh, no. We got no, some no, 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 no. I don't like that, Steve. No one likes that, Steve. Get that Steve no. out of here. All right? We love season two, three, and four, Steve. All right? Yeah, season three, three Steve, Steve is probably best, Steve. I got to be real. He's kind of weak mean, this season. He needs to step up his game. I mean, the entire scene when he, like, you see poor Dustin in season three. Nobody cares about him. Then he shows up to the ice cream party, and then they have a lightsaber fight. And Robin just stares at them like, what in the world? And, like, yeah. Steve I think I like Robin as a character. I literally did not. She, like, I don't, this season yeah. sold me on Robin as a character. I got to be real. I, Do you not like her? I don't know. I only watched season three. That's the last one. Oh, I watched. you haven't watched the newer one yet. <laughs> yeah. And I'm she's so just glad like, I just started talking about new stuff. Okay. She's just like in the back of the corner and she doesn't really say like she does, but she's just always insulting. She opens the up a Steve. little bit at the end. Yeah, she she opens up a little bit, but like I guess, but like she's just insulting my boy Steven Dustin the whole time of like, dude, these guys are the scoop troop. You gotta watch. You gotta watch the next season. When are, are you? Are, are you actually gonna watch it or no? No, nah, dude. No. Nah, why not? Everybody spoiled it for me, man. Like, what did you get spoiled? Spoiler warning. Spoiler warning. Yeah, Skip spoiler ahead, warning. Dude. My friend literally is like, "This is funny." Sends a meme. He doesn't realize that Max is being possessed and lifted in the air as they're playing, running up the hill. I'm like. You do realize this is like the biggest spoiler in the show. And he's like, Do you even know what it means, though? Me. Yeah. What does it mean? Vecna. Yeah, but what is Vecna doing? He's going to kill her. Yeah, I got the whole show spoiled because I was just at a party and this girl kept on going on and on about everything that happened in Stranger Things. And I was like, You got to watch it. It's such a good season. It's the best season besides season one i'm still a big season one fan so season three is the best season dude what do you mean bro you haven't even seen season what are you you're gonna okay you're gonna diss season one like season one is such a perfect like in a box story like they only gave like will throwing up in the sink just for the possibility like it was so perfect and just it fit in this nice neat box it was just so nice there was something like just so perfect about the first season in my opinion Season three got a bit messy. I'm not going to lie. All right. Uh, some of the camera three. angles and some of the shooting is so lazy. You see okay, the best yeah. scene with Destin? That is like one of the ugliest scene shots I've ever seen in the show. Production improves a lot in this one. Like there's some really cool shots. Character interaction gets better. Everyone's been simping over whatever his name is. Um, new D&D nerd character. Ah, yes. Uh, <laughs> ah, did yes. you get spoiled on him? Oh yes, I did because everybody's yeah. like, like. <laughs> Rest in peace. Ah, what a gamer. Ah. I know, right? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but at least he played Master Puppet. So like, I don't care. I'm like, you guys suck. I'm a Metallica fan <laughs> over here. You guys don't even care at that point. Half of the people probably watching the show don't even know what song he played. <laughs> I already have the people don't really know D&D. It's just kind of funny. Did you I get didn't... a theory about the next season? 
uh i heard something about how they're gonna make a i guess like steve's actor was saying they might make a jump to the 90s i'm like what really i didn't i didn't hear about that no i haven't heard any theories on season five the final season i do know that it is the final and so they're gonna keep it more like first season and have like similar it's gonna stay entirely in hawkins like no Russia arc or any sort of thing like that, um, oh, and they're gonna have similar they're gonna have similar character pairings to season one. So like the kids are all gonna be together again. Um, we're probably gonna see Steve, Nancy, and um, what's his name, Jonathan, and probably Robin's gonna join in that group now too. Uh, yeah. And then Hopper, Bald Eagle. So yes, I just, Murray's <laughs> one of my favorite characters. Murray's so good. In season three's at his best. I think I think he's solid in season four. In season three, Murray's so good, and uh, Smirnoff is so good. I love Smirnoff so much. Smirnoff, yeah, Smirnoff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, like wait, so Will... I get distracted so easily. <laughs> you said like season one pairing. So does that mean Will will be taken again? Maybe that, I don't know. That would like, be interesting. Because they were talking about possibly making. I heard a rumor they were possibly making Will the villain, which would be interesting, one hundred percent. Like, or like having him being possessed or something along those lines happen so again would, would be he, interesting. Would he end up like Billy then? I don't know. Because, like, the the big bad for the next season, of course, they're going to defeat the Mind Flayer and Vecna, but they're thinking the either – I think what's going to happen, if you learn in the new season, the, the Mind Flayer is essentially, like, made up of dust. He's just not really a physical being, so I think he's going to form into this – I forget what it's called. I don't know D&D that well, but, like, there's the most notorious, like, villain in all of D&D is, like, this three-headed – like, this five-headed dragon. Um, there's just a oh. name for it. I've seen that on the art. Yeah. Yeah. It's like one of the most notorious. So I have a feeling the mind player is going to like form himself as that. <laughs> so I heard about that. And also, um, since you've already been spoiling, again, more spoilers for the show. Warning. <laughs> this, like this is entire segment that's been just been spoilers or rumors. Not pos- like some I know were true because like that was the season five, like pairings and like talking about Keeney and Hoggins. That was from the Duffer brothers. So. Okay. Um, but Vecna is definitely still alive. So yeah, I heard a lot about that. Yeah, like people are like, "No, he never dies." I'm like, "Dude, it's Stranger Things. Nobody ever dies." So he's a so he's a he's a Wiccan. So he he's technically undead. So his body rots, but his soul stays alive. So um, mm. it, it's honestly spoiled right at the first episode. They're playing a D and D game, and like Vecna returns from the dead. So it, it's entirely spoiled in like that first scene. It's so funny because like yeah, it, it's hard to explain. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so wait, I what's your take? Which more spoilers, but since it's all been spoiled for me, do you think Max actually died or no? They would have killed her if they were gonna kill her. They're gonna bring her back somehow. I don't think she. I don't know what she's gonna do, and I'm not really that interested in it. I'm like, just kill her, bro. She, she honestly i would have rather her go out on like her perf- you haven't seen the new season but max is the strongest out of the kids in this season and that's like she's upstaging 11 
Like mm. her performance in this season, I, I legitimately did not like her character in all the other seasons. But this character, like this new season, she killed it. She literally sold the role so well. Um, I don't know. I just wish they would have given her like that honor of death. And I thought they were going to kill off more people. And I wish they just would have killed her and um, Eddie Munson, Mr. Munson. Yeah. Um, but I know because she's in a, a coma she in, in, is blind and doesn't can't walk, I think. I think her legs are broken. She's going to yeah. come back somehow, man. Yeah, but like it's plot armor. Uh, I know. Any, I just you know, wish like... they would kill some people, bro. There's too many people. With okay. Too much yeah. to keep track of. <laughs> they need to kill. Okay. Let me, let me, let me state characters they need to kill. They need to kill Jonathan. Jonathan mm-hmm. is useless. Yep. <laughs> if you haven't seen this season, he's just getting a spell in the entire season. He's literally so useless in this season. And that would be interesting to see how Will takes that. They could kill Will. I'd be happy with them killing Will. That would be interesting. Um, I don't want to see Nancy die. I really don't want to see Steve die, but they might. That's a uh, possibility. That's shit. definitely a big doc here. Oh. <laughs> uh, they wouldn't kill Dustin. They're not going to kill any of like, the major kids. They might kill Eleven. But, like The only way they do that is like she sacrifices herself for yeah, all of the safety. Yeah, yeah. Eleven definitely could go on the docket. Joyce is not going to die. Hopper's not going to die. No. Robin, they wouldn't kill. Um, no, uh, no, you haven't seen her not. in this season. You haven't seen her in this season. Okay. Um, the stoner character that hangs out with Jonathan definitely needs to die. He's okay. As much as I like the new season, the Jonathan arc and like everyone in that arc is very lame. I don't like that arc. It's very lame. They get yeah. Susie back in the group, but like, yeah. like get Susie to contribute, but it's very lame. Not very interested. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, they need to kill the stoner friend and is there anyone else that like could really die what they if could kill bald eagle they could kill bald eagle i think they could they i would be have... heartbroken yeah we have a minute yeah do you want to wrap up the episode yeah but what if they killed mike and see how 11 takes that that would be interesting that would be, that would be interesting that's a potential that I didn't think about that. That that does have potential. Honestly, I don't like Mike. I, I just I never I, I have. The only kid I like, I've told you this, is literally Dustin. Dustin's the best character outside of yeah. Steve. So Yeah. Dustin Eleven gets more personality, I guess, in season three and two, so cool, but like you're the main character and <laughs> she's an interesting main character i just don't really like her character it's not that she's a bad character it's just not she's not a fan favorite of mine so to speak yeah yeah well that wraps up um podcast we do have merch in the store called any heroes merch i'll upload that so yeah go buy merch because i'm literally making zero sales guys so (laughs)